the recording studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How you doing, hey, Chris? Jody. I am doing okay. Just I'm, okay, uh, huh? A little worn out, but uh, worn out. I'm a pro. I'll I'll try to rise above. <laughs> rise above. Mm. You know what that makes me think of? What's that? Spinal Tap. The scene where they're in the green room there, it's, uh, he's, they're getting ready to go on and do their show and they're doing this thing. And, and he's talking to his manager and saying, uh, I don't like this. It's something about the, the green room food and he's having trouble with it. And he's having this whole issue of like, the food is not up to snuff for what he wants to be a professional. And the manager's hoping that it's not going to be an issue. And he's like, no, it, I, I'm a professional. I will rise above. <laughs> right. It's the whole bread folding. <laughs> the bread incident, folding right? thing. And he's like, well, why would you fold the bread? And it's like, the manager's like, well, you don't fold the bread. You'd fold the meat. <laughs> he's like, but right. I don't want folded meat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that, I mean, that, that's just an awesome movie. Awesome movie. Uh, I was telling, uh, as a matter of fact, one of my students uh, about that movie, he hadn't seen it. He's a younger cat. That's uh, uh, like required him, watching for anybody that wants to be an actual musician. That's what I said. You have to go make, take some time and watch it and report back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> have you heard the report back yet? Not yet. No. Got to give him a little time. But well, How um, much time do you need in quarantine? <laughs> this is true. Um, so I should... Call him and go, hey, have you watched that movie yet? Yeah. Um, Take two hours, that, damn it. Just get it done. Right. Yeah. No, there's so many great lines in that, you know, where, oh, they were still booing him when we went on stage. <laughs> <laughs> we had to apologize with our set. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was awesome. Kind of yes. kind of what we should do with the intro to this podcast. <laughs> but you, yeah, want to, you want to apologize? <laughs> no, just but I am like going to save not it. My set? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it right now oh, okay. because there is a scene in Spinal Tap when they're in, they're in the recording studio and they're tracking guitars at the same time and he keeps messing up. And they're what, what are they doing? They're layering guitars. And yes. That's what are we going to talk about today? Oh, you, you know, well, how about them apples? We're talking about how to layer guitars when we're tracking to get a fuller sound. And this is going to be a four part. Yes. Four part. That was eight. This is four. Or this is four. <laughs> and that was four. And that was eight. So I'm going to go back and forth. It's four parts. Part one is today. Yes. Yes. So this will be, um, like you said, a four part thing. It will go into more meat as we go along. But Neat. Uh, Today we're talking about layering guitars and why yeah. would we do that. So why yeah. would we? Well, you know what? That's a good question. Why would we layer guitars? Why would you do that? I will tell you why I would do that right now. <laughs> now, uh, Can now I the prod the reason, bear? Poke, poke. Yeah. No, the main reason I think um, one would do that is to create a fuller sound or width. So the typical part would be maybe, um, say, if you got like a, a rock track, you mm-hmm. might have just the same part performed twice, left and right, just to create a bigger, fuller sound. So, you know, having more impact, essentially. Of that. That's Instead the hope anyway. One, that, that is the hope. <laughs> yeah. If you're doing it right. Um, so, yeah, doing that or could be also... 
inset ports, let's say that you even have, you've double tracked or triple tracked or whatever you've done with the same performance, the same part. Um, if you also want certain parts to stick out more, let's say it's a part of a riff that you want to really kind of leap out. Um, maybe just overdubbing that with a different guitar or a different amp setting or something like that. So layering stuff to create this big wall of sound. Big wall of sound. Yeah, big, big wall, big. Yeah. Big, big, big. Big, big, big. Much like that dog that just parked <laughs> somewhere. I don't know if it was my end or yours. But uh, yeah, so um, that's how I would do it. And one thing to um, point out here when we're, we're talking about, we're talking about tracking it again, right? We don't want to just duplicate the track because then you get essentially just a big mono signal of that, right? No matter. So you want those <laughs> well, slightly different things. That sounded um, really odd for you to say that it was a big mono signal. Is it really a big mono no, signal? big mono sound. <laughs> or is it big just mono? mono? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. It's more of mono. It's more, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's stereo and mono and more mono. That's right. Um, yeah, no, but instead, you know, if you're, don't just duplicate the part because that will not have the same impact. You, you need to retrack it because it's those slight differences that, that tend to make it bigger and thicker and juicier and harder or all of those kind of, <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> let's uh, maybe let's, let's move ahead perhaps, but, but that, that would be, um, one reason why I would, you know, layer guitars to, to kind of get that, that bigger impact. Bigger impact, make it fuller yeah. is what you're saying. You, yeah. you, you approached by saying making it bigger with mono, but maybe it's mono. It's not mono if you don't copy and paste. You play it twice, it becomes bigger sounding, hopefully because of the slight discrepancies in your playing and everything else that's going on. Correct. Yes. And we're talking slight discrepancies. Slight now. discrepancies. Yeah. You get you a micrometer me? out to measure that or how are you doing that? Yes. Super <laughs> anal. Uh, no, but um, if it starts sounding too much like, oh, this is really two different parts, then it's not close enough, right? So if you're, let's say that you're a really sloppy player, you might have a hard time doing that. So you want to make sure that you can play the same thing um, and it's still slight, slight, just could be a different pick attack or anything like that at a certain part, but but it needs to be the same but different. Same but different. <laughs> yeah. Um, how's that for an explanation? I'm sorry. That just uh, yeah. Same but different. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm worn out. So yes. No. Um, that just made my brain go. Whoo. Yeah, right. I hear you. I hear so, you. But, but essentially, um, when you're adding another track, you're getting more, more of something. And more yeah. is more. More is more. More is more. More is not yeah. like, less is not necessarily more because less is less and more is more. And my favorite person to have ever experienced saying something of that nature, <laughs> or he yes. didn't experience, he said it. It was the drummer from Rush, who is now, unfortunately, no longer on this planet, but Neil Peart, who infamously said in some interview somewhere, and I'm, I'm sure he said it more than once, but the interview that I saw, it was kind of funny. He's like, yeah. all those people that go out there saying that less is more. Well, no, less is less, more is more. And it's whether it's required, you know, if the part needs more, then you give it more. If it doesn't need more, then you don't give it more. Sure. That's, that was sure. the understanding I took away from it anyway. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. More is definitely more, but not always better. 
that's another good way of saying it. And the less is not always better. So it it served the song. That's right. That's the whole concept here for producers and and artists and everything. Make sure you're serving the song. Yeah. And that's the the whole idea, right? So if you're dealing with, let's say we're talking guitars obviously today. So we're assuming we're talking about guitar heavy. And we're also talking about layering those guitars, which means more guitars. Yeah. Top of each other, like a layer cake. Mm. Make it nice and big and <laughs> tasty. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> I cracked you up with that one, huh? Yeah, yeah. you sure did. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no I'll, I'll try to continue with the script here. Right on. Um, but no, so we, we did that. So, and one thing also, you can add like a little bit of definition. I'm not sure if I touched on that yet. But, no, you haven't. But, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that and going, okay, how do you get definition by adding more guitars? Well, to have something uh, played on top of that, that could be, let's say that you have two really fuzzed out guitars, hard mm-hmm. left and right. Um, sounds great in isolation perhaps, but could get a little bit buried uh, once you get it into the mix. So if you add... The same part again, possibly, but with um, a little bit of a cleaner tone, perhaps even an acoustic guitar or completely clean guitar, uh, to layer that again can add more of that definition. It's very similar to the concept that we talked about um, when tracking bass guitar or acoustic guitar, Mm -hmm. how sort of having that DI um, can help bring out certain parts that can get a little lost in the mix. So adding a clean tone and just kind of sneaking that in Sneaking uh, it in. Sneaking that's it that's in. under so, the mix portion of things, but you need to have a track of it in order to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I mean by I think definition. And it could also be a part where um, you're adding, let's say it's the same note or the same chord, but you might be playing it an octave higher mm. to just kind of make that pop a little bit as well and kind of blending those. So that that's sort of straddling that mix issue there but but like you said you got to have the part first before yes uh you can do that yes you do yeah we're double or possibly even triple tracking guitars i remember reading a story with uh scott ian from anthrax Mm. and this is this is around well mid to late 90s and i want to say it was either their stomp 442 or volume 8 album is that but is that late 90s era uh where he was telling a story and i do think i have this right where they trip were not only tripled but they tripled the parts but in stereo as well so they had three different amps playing the same parts hard left and hard right that's just to like kind of create that that's oh, six sound. six that's six yeah six different times no so did he play it six different times or did they play it once on each side and used three different amps on the same guitar signal. No, I believe they, they tracked it six <coughs> times. So they put in the work. They certainly they put, put in, in the work, work on that one. Yeah. Mm. But if you listen to that album as well, it's like, that's just massive guitar sound. You know? And, uh, yeah. So I think that um, was also Zach's thing. I don't remember. I think Zach, Zach wild. That is when he was working in the early days of his working with Ozzy he quadruple tracked everything. Yeah. So it's not quite the same as triple tracked on one side, triple tracked on the other. He's just doing quad tracks. I, maybe it's more, I don't know. Um, 
but that was my understanding is that how that was how he did a lot of the things when he was working. Well, I guess he, maybe he's still working with Ozzy on some occasion. I don't know. Um, yeah, I. But, but yeah, but hey, it's the Zach, same concept, if you're out just, there and you want to answer that question, <laughs> inquiring minds want to know. If I bump into him, I'll I'll ask the question. That's right. You're uh, not far from him. Yeah, I bump into him every once in a while. Um, but yeah, <laughs> name drop. Yeah. Boing. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, Al Pacino told me to never name drop. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well done, you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, but the, the concept there is again to to, to create a. Um, a bigger sound by just playing the same thing again. It's and it's much the same as you know people singing in a choir, I guess. Right? You have uh, two people. It could sound great if you have four or more. There's just more, bigger sounding, and um, very similar effect. So, so that is a very effective way of layering guitars, and probably the most common way of, of I think, layering guitars it's, when we're thinking about the same part or just doing it again with a slightly different amp or something like that. Do it know? again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. That's what you're going to hear a lot of coming out of your mouth as a producer. Do it again. Do it again. (laughs) Yeah. What do they call it? The the, Mutt Lang train thing? Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. I guess that's a good train to be on. He's done some pretty awesome work. (laughs) Yeah. Has he ever done anything that hasn't been awesome? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. I'm sure. But if you're out there, would you like to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Giving so, how reclusive he is, probably not. Probably but, uh, not. But, you uh, know, yeah. and speaking about the concept of maybe working like a Mutt Lang, I'm going to guess that he spends a lot of time planning things out, which is kind of Certainly. a segue of getting into the next section of what we're going to start talking about. But Before we actually get into planning it out, we're going to plan to have a word from our sponsors right now. So, planning it out. Yes. We don't just go in there and just start recording. You don't want to just go do it willy-nilly? You could, but you're probably going to end up wasting a lot of studio time. Um, So, from my point of view... Well, why it's, wouldn't you want to waste a lot of studio time? There's bands that have done it. This is true. <laughs> and uh, I'm guessing they probably have the budget to do it too, though. Well, there's um, always that. Budget yeah, is a big consideration. Right. And today, probably not. Um, but I, I still think I'm, I'm a big believer in trying to be as, as organized as possible. For me, it helps me get the job done, and it helps sure. me to stay focused and not lose track of what it is. And as we all having like a good say, roadmap is what you're saying, something like that, right? Where, mm-hmm. and as we always like to say, we want to serve the song. So yes. I think if you start going too crazy, you can lose track of that, and you're doing yourself and more importantly the song a disservice by not sort of sticking to that. Would you be doing the artist a disservice by not doing that? Because as a definitely. producer. Yeah, if I'm sort of like a third-party producer type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, and, you know, th- this goes back a little bit to other conversations where we've had, but that's hopefully a discussion you've had with a band beforehand, right? How they see their sound and how you can help them fulfill that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could be, you know, a specific workflow that you might have that think you're going to suit that, whether it's, massive layerings of guitar or perhaps 
not doing that. It can, I mean, it can be when you think layering, or at least when I'm thinking layering, even it's essentially just kind of playing something more than once, right? Mm -hmm. And even in a very sparse thing, like maybe like an ACDC thing, uh, where you have Angus on one side and Malcolm on the other, and together, even if they're playing the same stuff, it sounds really, really big because they've got the differences in tone and all this kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, so I think having that sort of like mindset when you're going in and trying to shoot for that. Um, it's is, almost like having the ingredients as if you had a recipe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of, of something um, Dave Pensado said at one point in one of his in the layer moments or, or mm. it was one of the interview, but. And but what did Dave say? <laughs> Dave said something very akin to what you were touching upon there. It's like you're, if you're a chef and you're walking into the kitchen, you have an idea what it is that you're going to make. You just don't start throwing ingredients into the pot and hoping something decent comes out. You well, know? <laughs> that's usually a good way of getting things done, having a good it, idea of what you want to do. Yeah. And I think the same analogy works for, you know, going into the studio when you have that, okay, this is what we're going to try to do and this is the way we're going to do it and sort of staying on point there. Yes. Um, and uh, another thing that can happen is if you start throwing stuff out and just trying like, to, oh, let's try this. Or let's try to do that. It can be very easy to get married to parts that ultimately don't serve the song. Or don't work in the general sense of the song too. Right. Yeah. And it could be something like, oh, I had this awesome melody going on in there. Yeah, that's great. But it, it clashes <laughs> it with the vocal. something so, else. Which, yeah. So, you know, speaking of go. which, married yes. guitar parts and whatnot. It reminds yeah. me of a audition that I did a bunch okay. of years ago for a band called Evan and Jaron. Mm -hmm. And I was given their material prior to having to go out of town on a trip. And they were scheduling people for like the following day kind of thing. And it was like, oh, they're going to be doing some more auditions and we'll schedule you when you get back. So I knew I was going to be cutting my trip just a little bit short to get back in order to do this audition because they had suddenly like hit the big time. They had a couple of songs and some movies. They were suddenly like going stratospheric with some of their songs and they were going to go out do some shows and needed a guitar player and whatnot so a buddy of mine that worked at their label gave me the material so that i would at least have it on my trip out of town i could hear it i could get it under my brain synapses so that when i got back to a guitar i could like you know, hopefully be able to play it without too much trouble yeah. so i get back into town i've learned these guitar parts that i had on the material that was given to me i go in i do this audition i nail the shit out of it <laughs> <laughs> and i can't remember if it was evan or if it was jaron but one of the two of them when we get done <laughs> turns to me he goes man that was just really beautiful guitar playing but where did you learn those guitar parts uh -oh. And I'm like suddenly going, uh, it was on the Oops. material that I was given. Yeah, but that wasn't the stuff that went out to all the people for the auditions. And it's not the stuff on the actual record. 
Uh oh, where did you get this? And I'm like, I'm not about to throw my buddy under the bus who worked at the yeah. label. So I was just like, it was just, it was on the material that was given to me. And I don't know, I, you know, it was just given to me. It was sent to me by messenger. I don't know who gave it to me. I was lying my ass off, but by sure. the same token, they weren't married to those parts because they obviously didn't make it into the recorded versions that went out into the films and into radio right. and everything else. They just happened yeah. to be, uh, I happened to have a pre release version of whatever it was that they did that had the parts on there so yeah that's a good <laughs> that's example of like not being married to parts <laughs> that's funny that's and funny. of yeah. course it didn't net me the gig because obviously they were very concerned as to why i had something that was not released <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no but that that is a good lesson though because even if you're you know, at the writing stages and you're hearing something and sometimes you, you get that, what I like to call like demo-itis, like you're just used to hearing the same thing all the time, that when something goes on, even if it's ultimately better, you have like a hard time adjusting elbow. to It's something you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Demo-itis, uh, don't get it. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't get it. It's uh, contagious and it takes a while to get rid of. Um, but it is important to, to ha sort of have that fresh perspective. So even if that's, and I remember this, you know, when I was younger, and I think we've always done this, when that's your only it's like creative contribution to the track, it's like, oh, no, but that's, that was my favorite part. I, I played that D minor seven. It was awesome. <laughs> it you was know? absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but, you know, Too the singer sing that sharp on top of that, so it doesn't work. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but you kind of learn how to kind of, you know, let the ego subside and, and let the... One would hope. Yeah. One would hope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there was another story that reminds me of what you were telling me there. I, it was another, I'm going to try not put so many names in here, but let's say a, <laughs> a famous, let's say a famous uh, mix engineer mm. uh, was telling the story and had delivered a mix and uh, the producer came back and said, well, where, where's this part? Well, then work in the mix. Well, it's my favorite part. Okay, I'll make you a whole tape with just that part and you can listen to it because it's not working <laughs> in the song. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't don't get too attached to, to, to parts because uh, it's the song that's ruling and not your, your ego. Yes, so. the song matters, yeah. not your head, unless right. you're Prince. Well, and then his ego is actually kind of matching most of his song work. So, <laughs> so yeah, but, but yeah, Prince could do whatever the hell he wants, right? Because <laughs> it's just going to be awesome anyway. So, yeah, uh, don't argue with Prince. Well, tough today, but you get the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, Not without some serious smelling salts and a shovel. Right, yeah, really? Yeah, bada-boom. Come for the info, stay for the bad jokes. That's right. right. <laughs> um, That's right. So, yeah, so that leads us into sort of like the, the third part of, of this podcast where, where we're talking about a lot of this kind of comes into arrangement. Yes, the, song, the arrangement right? of the song is actually a good way to serve the song. Yeah. Do they really? Yeah. I mean, because there was a point in time in history in music, in the music business, when arrangers were a big deal. Yeah. I'm not, I, I don't, I wasn't alive for that era, but um, I'm assuming that there still are arrangers for uh, arranging music, yeah. I would think. I mean, that are, that's like their sole job is just to be the arranger. But I think a lot of the time now that probably gets folded into the, job of the producer as well yeah i think so i think I, it's, I have to do it yeah no i think i think you're right i think it gets sort of baked in with all of that where um you know 
things that used to be like four jobs, right? Let's say that the arranger, the arranger, the producer, the the engineer, and the coffee guy, right? <laughs> Consolidating. It's yeah. the way the uh, industry goes now. But, Cover it uh, up. Don't do it again. Yeah, but it is a very important part of it to, to sort of have that where... The ability to arrange, yes. Yeah. And uh, so let's just touch on that a little bit when before we go into the nitty here of doing that with guitar parts. But when you're talking arrangement, what are you... What, are you, what, what is that you're referring to when you're talking about arrangement? It, it's a combination of uh, how the instruments are going to interact with each other. And if we're talking specifically about guitars, oftentimes if you're using the same guitar with the same amp with the same guitar player and you have them playing the same thing over and over again, hopefully it's going to be able to be translated to multiple takes of kind of the same thing. But at the same time, it's not really adding a whole lot to the sound because it's a whole lot of the same because you're using yeah. the same guitar, you're using the same amp, you're using the same stuff. So it's kind of like, mm, that's not, I mean, it's arranging in a sense, but it's not smart arranging in my mind. And you've right. kind of already touched on it by saying, well, don't copy and paste a, a track and then split it left and right and hope that it's not going to sound mono in a sense. Because right. essentially all that is, is just doubling up whatever the is, whatever the is, is. Um, so for me, arranging, especially if I'm arranging multiple guitar parts, means that I'm going to choose different guitars with different amps to get different sounds to kind of increase the amount of spectrum that's happening from the guitar. That's right. from an arranged standpoint. Yeah. So it's it's that um, I, I would agree with with all of that actually. Where it's it's not only making well, that's the song no works fun. Why don't you disagree with something? <laughs> Oh, that was you're full of shit, Jody. And let me tell you why. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, no, uh, no, but I think you're right. And it's it's um, not just the arrangement of you know verse, pre-chorus, chorus, repeat, bridge, chorus out that kind of arrangement, but but having parts work together to sort of keep the song interesting from downbeat of one to the end of the song, right? Where, and it could be, uh, it could be like, we're talking about layering today, having a different part, but it could also be not being afraid of removing parts, right? So. Yeah. Well, or, that's or, that whole idea of not getting married to a part. Yeah. And Dearly uh, beloved, we are gathered here today to divorce this artist from this guitar part. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no more power chords in the bridge. That's um, right. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, there, there are a lot of tricks there that, that we can do, but it could be um, as simple as changing up a voicing. You know, yes. When you're layering something. Say um, you've got a guitar player who's only known for playing in the open position with the open chords, and same with putting a capo on it, but maybe you get them to play the first inversion of a chord instead of the root position and that kind of thing. And if you don't know theory, go find some other podcast that explains that much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We get, we get lonely up here on our pedestals. Right. But um, no, but in all seriousness, this is not what that's about. Right. But, but you're right. It could be, um, let's say the only way you know how to play G major is that open G major. But yes. maybe maybe playing it in a different, you know, inversion, like you said, up on the tenth fret, or doing like doing it just with a bar chord instead, or what have you, mm -hmm. um, can, can just give breadth, 
width to a sound. That's and, right. Uh, Use different strings. That's also a concept of being able to get different voicings. So you play the yeah. D major on your top three strings and you play it again on the low three strings in a different spot that gets you the same sound. It's yeah. going to sound different even though it's the same voicing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's all those little things and we keep talking about those one percents here and there, right? But one percent, little, little bits, little bits that add up yeah. into the whole yeah. lot, right? Um, another thing would be besides different voicings would be to do what we've talked about before a little bit, what we call split voicings, right? Yes. So you want to explain that a little have bit? We, have we really talked about this before? Well, we have privately, you and I. I think. Yeah, privately, so, certainly. Yeah. Split voicings. So that's the concept of like, maybe you're playing a G major seventh chord and to split it up, you might play the root and the fifth in one guitar and split that to one side. And then you might play the third and the seventh with another guitar and pan it to the other side. And all together in the giant grand scheme of things, it makes a G major seventh chord. Or you could split the third and the fifth on one and the root and the seventh on another, although that would probably sound really dissonant. But um, it's the idea of taking the chord apart and only playing pieces of it with one guitar and another set of pieces for it on a second guitar. That would, right. would I, that's what I would call split voicings when it comes to layering of guitar parts. Yeah. And that can be a very, very effective way of adding interest to parts as well. Sure. If you have, and one thing I, I like with that kind of idea is also if you have, let's say if the song is a little bit more of a sparse arrangement. Uh, to instead of just having one guitar playing that, like you said, that G major seven, right? And now you got two guitars doing different things. So you can have one being just a melody note on top and one's doing a power chord and blah, blah, blah. It, it's just really imagination that, that puts a limit on that kind of stuff, what we can do. So uh, splitting up chords like that can be a very, very cool thing. To sure. Do as well. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And this kind of gives us into um, a... Another idea, we've talked majority of today with essentially playing the same part, mm -hmm. right? When we're layering part, we're, we're creating a bigger sound. Except for the, the split voicing thing. thing. Except <laughs> for the split voicing thing. So we're kind of like easing into this now. But it could also be um, layering in the sense that we have different parts mm -hmm. that, that create a big hole in there as well. So it could be... Uh, building off of you said with the split voicings where somebody you could have a part maybe it's a steady eighth note thing going on with a power chord and you're playing the upper melody notes or something like that with a different guitar it's sometimes rhythmically different and all this kind of stuff as well to yeah to create a really really busy um, arrangement that sounds cohesive right uh, i was listening uh earlier on today actually one of my favorite bands Def leopard and mm -hmm. um was listening to especially the Hysteria album mm. where th there's a song all that called Armageddon it yep. and that's just a case study of what I'm kind of talking about right now it's like world championship and guitar parts just like <laughs> left and right and everywhere as if so, there were an Olympics of, of guitar playing <laughs> yeah because then you know again Mutt Lang there but um, note Steven, for note that's Steven probably Phil, yeah. every one of those notes was probably recorded individually they did that on a couple of songs, and that was one of those Mutt Lang things where he's like, no, I want this chord to hit all at the same time. Yeah, no yeah. cascading whatsoever. So, yeah, which Bang. is – That's 
minutia stuff. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear the pick go across the court. I want to hear all at the same time. Um, so yeah, but but that that would be one, you know, case study we can talk about writing different parts and how just create this big whole sound massive sound well we'll have yeah. to do that in another episode at some point yes i think but um yeah i think um there's not too much more i would like to add to that i think uh we covered a lot of the first thing here when we came i don't have it. a whole lot to say to it now i think we need to cut it here and say stay tuned for next week when we get into part two well that's part four so let's make that two part two there you go. Of layering Visual guitars. joke. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the YouTube broadcast to get that one. Yeah, right. All right. Thank you, Jody. That's going to do it for me. Then I will talk to you later. And to everyone out there in Inside the Recording Studio Land, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.